once again to another Coffee and Heroes podcast. Time now for our weekly review show. Uh, we're going to be chatting comics tonight, which are uh, were released in the fourth week of November. Uh, the new comic book day being the 27th of November itself. Pretty quality day. There was a lot of good stuff there. Uh, I'm delighted as always to be joined by the other three amigos to uh, discuss comics. We've got... Keelan. Garotti here. Garotti? Who's Garotti here? <laughs> <laughs> And Keith. And Keith. So, uh, yeah, uh, varying, varying amounts for pull lists, I would say, this week. You know, I had 19. Kaelin had... Six, I think. Week. Week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think I had about eight or nine. Well, I had eight or nine. I wasn't nine. too sure. I was sitting Keith on was around 20, I think. I think I was sitting on the 19 as well. Yeah, uh, there are about. So, yeah, good quality stuff this week, I would say. There was a good, um, good mix batch of, of indie yeah, stuff, yeah. especially. Uh, there were a couple of indie titles that really stood out for me. Uh, Marvel continued with uh, releasing the X titles. Mm-hmm. Um, DC brought back a much beloved character, mm-hmm. which we'll discuss a bit more later. Uh, so yeah, good stuff all around this week. Uh, before we jump into it, just a quick announcement just regarding the store. Uh, I'm afraid we have to close our doors. No, we don't really. Uh, <laughs> yeah, well, te- technically. Well, te- yeah, well, technically. Well, technically. closes. Technically, we're closing the doors to 17, unit 1718 in Smithfield. Uh, we're actually moving to a different unit in Smithfield. It'll be number 5-6. It's essentially just on the opposite side of the centre itself. Um, we've had a few issues with the, the unit we've been in. We've had some leaks. We've had some... I'll be honest, I'm, you know, I'm not an idiot when it comes to this door. I know it's not the warmest place in the world, uh-huh. despite the fact we put heaters on, we try to do soft furnishings. We, we've tried to do what we can, but there's... There's cracks in the ceiling. It's just an old building. Well, I mean, water's not really a good addition to a store that's main uh, sales purpose is paper. It's really not. Uh, I mean, the 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 one thing I will say is a, it's been a nice testament the fact that we bag and board everything because we you know we've been able to protect a lot of stuff, Um, but it had just reached the point where it was becoming untenable. I was genuinely I would hear a hard rain outside, just you know hammering off the window at you know midnight, thinking what am I going into tomorrow. Hard rain is going to fall. <laughs> so yeah, we just yeah. we spoke with the council, but this new unit, what's going to be cool is we've got time to move, we've got time to plan it. There was a little bit of a rushed, uh, you know, moving from the the smaller unit to the bigger unit last time was pretty much just get everything next door, guys. We'll figure it out as we go. We'll set it up as we go. So there's a bit more planning this time. We've got some exciting stuff coming up with the layout, what we're doing. Uh, there might be something we might be able to do with the upstairs as well. So we, we've got a few good plans in place now. We do have um, 17, 18 where we are at the moment until the end of December. So we're going to take our time with the move. The last thing to be moved will be, you know, the counter and the pull list. So mm-hmm. if you're a regular, just keep coming around to 17, 18. <laughs> but yeah, we're, we're hoping to launch in the new year um, and it's definitely going to be a new and improved store. The funny part of all this is that when I first moved into Smithfield, one of the shopkeepers asked me about like, are you getting ready to play Smithfield bingo? And I was like, what's Smithfield bingo? And they said, oh, see, when you're in Smithfield, you always have problems with units. So you end up trying to move to every single one of them. <laughs> this will be our third unit in two and a half years. So uh, I'm really hoping we don't have to move again anytime soon. <laughs> but, uh, well, so you're, you're moving, but not too far. So Moving, but not too far. I mean, the unit that we're in now, no one is um, slated to move into it. So we'll put signs up somewhere around the corner and all this kind of stuff. 
but uh, yeah, it's 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 not a massive fresh start, but it does give us a, a chance to sort of tweak a few things, and you know, and the mm-hmm. the unit itself is warmer; you can just feel it straight away. <laughs> so uh, that's a big plus. Uh, so it is, and I should also say as well, actually, we are open Sundays in December as well, one o'clock to five o'clock. Oh, cool! So Fantastic. Seven days a week. Um, you will see my beautiful face there. I may have some bags under my eyes by about the twentieth, <laughs> but you know. So we can come down and worship in our four-colour church on Sundays? Yeah, can indeed. Brilliant. But we're just not allowed to mention Christmas. <laughs> 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 not until about the 19th yeah. of December anyway. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, just a couple of things there just on the storefront. So yeah, new store coming soon and Sunday openings are now going to be a thing. That's fantastic for you. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, it's going to be good. I'm Stressful but exciting for you. Stressful yeah. but at the same time, you know, I'll throw a shout out now to my father who is just a legend when it comes to all this moving stuff he's really invested in the store and he my dad loves a project so if he knows there's something to be done <laughs> he's been down like three times this week um just moving boxes and stuff so just a shout out to him there for that so cool. yeah um so yeah let's uh talk some comics yeah yeah Fantastic. uh you're gonna be stepping into some sort of bizarro world for this podcast i'm afraid because my pick of the week is marvel Keith's pick of the week is. Mine's a DC. <laughs> Roddy's pick of the week is. Indeed. Oh well, not, not a complete mirror world, and <laughs> he's our pillar. And, and also, there's no mention of anyone with an S on their chest. No, not not even sort of honourable mentions. But <laughs> for Kaelin, so it's uh, yeah, it's uh, very much a as I say, a bit of a bizarre world. The reason I'm jumping on a Marvel title is because I have been ridiculously impressed with X Force so far. Um, I don't have any special affinity to previous X-Force runs. I haven't read a lot of them. Um, it's not something I've ever been massively knowledgeable about, I'll even say. But when this, when Hickman launched House of X, Powers of Ten, it was promised as a fresh start. Um, it was promised as a, a gateway for new readers. So what I've done is I've picked up every number one so far. I've picked up every number two so far. But for me, this is head and shoulders above the rest of them. Um, I don't know if that will be agreed with or not necessarily at the table, but uh, for me this should be the flagship title, even above X-Men. Um, issue 1 obviously ended with that huge cliffhanger. Um, well, we should say... Spoilers. 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 <laughs> that is the perfect point As to always, say. It's it always is. spoilers. So. It is a review podcast. Tell, us, tell us what happened. So at the end of X-Force number 1... Um, Basically, Krakoa had been infiltrated by a sort of a special ops team. Uh, clearly, their goal was to assassinate Charles Xavier, and they succeeded. Mm-hmm. Uh, it wasn't one of those sort of like when I was first reading X Force One, I thought it was going to be a, we're going to show how Krakoan defenses work, and the humans are maybe going to have to be a bit smarter to get anywhere close to, you know, certainly Xavier. But the fact they succeeded was a massive shock. But because of the reading order of, of, of X-Men titles, well, I say reading order, there's a release schedule at the back of all the books, and I do wonder if this is a reading order. That's what I'm using it we as. We always, like, question it every week. Mm-hmm. It's like, is there anything different for next next time, you know? Yeah, I mean, because this was an interesting one. This week, the 27th, had three issues released. It had New Mutants number two, X-Force number two, and Fallen Angels number two. But I have been reading them in that order because, you know, I don't think Hickman does anything randomly. I think it's mm. meticulously planned. And this is the best way to enjoy the story. I screwed it up this week, and I've only read X Force and haven't read New Mutants. <laughs> <laughs> Keith, you call yourself a Marvel fan. 
Um, but yeah, this is where it gets interesting for me because that massive cliffhanger was in X Force number one, and there's sort of cursory mentions of it in the other books. This is the first book to massively deal with the uh, the fallout from it. So it opens up. Sorry, no, Keith. Uh, well, I would say you were saying that you don't have a lot of affinity with uh, with X Force, so it's worth it's worth mentioning that that, that you know X Force is traditionally the name X Force is traditionally associated with either the, the Black Ops or the the paramilitary arm of, of Wing of the X Men. So yeah. the, where the, those those jobs that are too dirty for the other X Men to do, um, it tends to be a wee bit. A wee bit darker and a wee bit more, you know. So, uh, X Force. The, the the origins of X Force began with Cable. Uh, so the original X Force was the New Mutants, who are the New Mutants who more or less are fi- featured in the uh, in the New Mutants book. Mm-hmm. Um, whenever Cable um, came back from the future, uh, whenever Nathan Desprey came back from the future as Cable, he recruited a group in order to help him with his with his battle against um, Apocalypse. Um, mm. they, they had to be a group that were willing to do so he effectively recruited the new mutants and retrained them as a part military group uh, and they just were that dark side they, Xavier didn't know what was going on Cable was leading them so this this retains that feel you yeah. know that again what Hickman has done with these X books is he's given each one of them an identity and that identity definitely plays off those old identities you know mm-hmm. the X-Force in the 90s um, it is interesting that the only character I think now, uh, the, the only character certainly in the last book or in this book this issue that is associated with the old X-Force is Domino uh, so Domino is the is what do you mean Domino is not in that introductory she's not in that, part she's not in that introductory part not um, at all Wolverine was in a later uh, in a later X-Force um, uh, iteration mm-hmm. um, and Black Tom Cassidy was actually uh, a member of uh, he, he paired with Juggernaut and was actually an enemy of X-Force um, so it's interesting to see him here. So yeah, well, um, suppose it's interesting with all the X Men stuff at the moment. You don't really look at mutants being enemies to each other anymore. No, you don't. You it's know, interesting. Uh-huh. You know, so you can see them teaming up because they've all now got the quote common enemy, which is mankind. Mm-hmm. I suppose. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I just I just loved how this issue opened again. It's it's still retaining the feel of those X titles where you get almost a little pre credit sequence. You then get the the breakdown, as you say, of who is going to be involved in the book. And then you then jump into the meat and bones of the story. But yeah, great opening couple of pages. You know, you have Magneto reassembling the broken, bloody Cerebro. Um, you know, and he even starts out with a little bit of regret, sort of saying, like, if only I had been there, I could have stopped the bullet. Um, uh, yeah, you have to question. Uh, you have to question Magneto. Yeah, I mean... He's Magneto. He's Magneto. Uh, and he's... How, how, how much has the, has the leopard spot changed? You know, he's Magneto. Oh yeah, well, th- this is what's interesting, even just with the two pages, because the first page to me seems very genuine, and you know, and he keeps calling him old friend, and I could have stopped it. And then the next page, it's like, this was your plan, your island, your future, and so will remain as long as you return to us. I.e., if you don't, we're doing things my way. Well, exactly. <laughs> I mean, there's that, but also if you've read Fallen Angels, for example, um, Magneto is very much the king, mm-hmm. and you know, he's. So, I mean, how much drive is Magneto going to have to try and bring Xavier back, really? Hmm. You know, um, I don't know. I, I'm just, as you say, he's Magneto. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's definitely um, he's definitely suspicious of whether it's all going to work or not. Um, you know, going through the issue, you know, he hands off the broken Cerebro to Jean Grey. Um, Jean Grey is quite calm about it all. You know, she sort of says, you know, he knew this was going to happen. We knew this would happen. 
but it doesn't make seeing him down there, you know, bloodied on the floor any easier. But then straight away, she's she's all business. She's like, yeah, there's a backup system in place. We have to trust this will work. But Magneto is still very wary of it all. You know, he's sort of saying like, if Charles was wrong, if you were wrong, if the resurrection resurrection doesn't work, you know, all that kind of stuff. I mean, because obviously Charles himself is a key part of the resurrection process. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, you know, with him missing, that's going to be slightly more difficult. Jean's obviously involved because she's almost as powerful a telepath as, as Charles is. But the the thing with Jean is her. Yeah, the, the difference has always been, you know, Charles is a much more trained intellect, yeah. a much more trained telepath. Jean was always a wee bit more rough around the edges, and her parset was divided between telepathy and telekinesis. And I'm not sure, I guess she must have her telepathy back. Yeah. Um, well, it's interesting, even this, because this, this raises some questions. You know, you obviously have this backup cerebro, um, you have Jean Grey and Beast going to investigate this, obviously, Beast being such a scientific mind. Um, but you do have to wonder if this process that Jean's so calm about, you know, obviously with her parts not being quite to the level of Xavier, what if something goes wrong? Mm -hmm. You know, are we going to get the same Charles back? Obviously, the, the Charles that we've been introduced to through House and, and Powers is very cold, very matter-of-fact. You know, will she even maybe bring a little more humanity to him? If she brings him back, will that create problems within Krakoa? I mean, um, the, the, I mean, the gist is that she's supposed to be bringing, I mean, the, the, the backup of Charles' yeah. memory, you know. Um, there's a great wee scene there where, uh, you know, Magneto has been manipulating the shattered Cerebro helmet. Yeah. You know, when he pulled it together the wreckage into the helmet on the ground, but uh, when he's talking to Gene here, he uses his powers to flatten it out and change it into a sword. Yeah. Uh, and you just sort of wonder, he's, you know, he's taking this helmet that is all about mind and thought, you know, and, uh, and changes it into a weapon. Yeah. You know, is that is that is that a threat? Is that Magneto's threat? This is the way Charles did things. This is how I do things. Yeah. Uh, so if you don't bring it back, this is the way it's going to go. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Um, well, that's it. I mean, they're almost in a sense that's almost Magneto preparing for war. It's almost like if word gets out that Xavier's dead, this is going to mm -hmm. be. They're going to think Krakoa is vulnerable. Let's attack, and you're going to move into a war. You know. Uh, but yeah, you had that little scene as I say with Beast and with Jean Grey. I just love that art style you were saying. That's very classic X Men. Mm -hmm. I just love Beast puts on these wee tiny little circular glasses. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it's also interesting there because there's there's matters throughout this book as well of, you know, the idea of science versus faith. Yeah, yeah. And you know, Beast is very much a man of science. Oh, very much. And Gene even says to him, "I know you're a scientist, Hank, but what I need right now is blind faith." And that that's interesting because uh, to some extent, this mutant. Uh, settlement on Krakoa is a wee bit like a religious cult. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so it's nice that they they assassinate. So again, you know, Hickman continues to, or in this case, you know, Benjamin Percy, who is is the writer in this book. But I mean, Hickman is the is the head of X, mm -hmm. as they say. Uh, and so the the format continues with the, the text pages. You know, the the news flashes and the breakdowns. So this is the assassination query. Um, I guess. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I love this little page. I'll be honest, see, sometimes when these pages come in, I know they're word building and so forth, there are some of them I find a little bit of a, a trek to get through. Uh -huh. It's so much information. Yep. But what I loved about this was, like, we keep being told about how Krakoa is this utopia and it will protect all mutants and this, but this shows how they were able to circumvent all of that. Yeah, and yeah, I yeah. loved that. Yeah, it, yeah. Was, it wasn't just a case of, all oh, these guys were good, so they got in. It really gets into, like, how they circumvented it, you know? Mm -hmm. You know, they entered the airspace over Krakoa by diverting and parachuting from a Trans-Pacific flight bound from Seal to Honolulu. All on board are believed to be dead, though the entirety of the bodies and wreckage have yet to be recovered. 
Assassins appear to be a blend of passengers and crew, all of whom were registered with falsified documents. It is likely uh, that airport security and or baggage handlers are also implicated, given mm-hmm. their weaponry smuggled on board. So I love that. It, yeah. it's, it's, a, it's an explanation. Yeah, it does two things. It does two things. I mean, what it does in that one page of text, it's something that would have taken three or four pages of comic Easy. story to do. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Uh, so, yeah. so there's, again, there's, there's that efficiency of storytelling there. Yeah. And... Um, do we know is this Hickman writing them or is it the writer of the book? No, that, I mean I would imagine I would imagine it's the writer, but uh, it's certainly the format um, is is what Hickman set up in in, in, in House, House of Powers. Yeah. yeah, so what we really need to be doing is same with these three quick one symbols at the top or saying. <laughs> Which three? Top right of the page. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. I'll be curious because <laughs> it's just layered. So <laughs> these yeah, books yeah, are just layered. So I kind of stopped. I kind of stopped translating. Oh yeah, have you? Yeah. Um, so anyway, it was interesting that the idea that a homing device was recovered from the body of Xavier. Yeah. That explains what was going on in that last issue. Yeah. Because I couldn't figure it out. I, yeah. You know, the art wouldn't. I couldn't figure it out from the art what was going on, but clearly they were. Because they did, but yeah, they put the an emphasis yeah, on. They did, yeah. They. Uh, so that was kind of interesting. Um, there's a relationship here to the Reavers, um, who were uh, uh, Donald Pierce's. Uh, do you remember the half cyborg? Mm-hmm. Uh, he appeared in Logan, actually, the movie. Uh, so the Reavers are his uh, half cyborg yeah. uh, operatives, but they're, they're, there's it says the the uh, the tactical gear and such was was uh, resembled that used by the Reavers. Um, so yeah, it was really interesting. But you've got all that information. It also shows you what leads the X Men are going to follow in order yeah. to follow up what's going on here. So well, that's that's one of the things I loved about this book is that it was very detective orientated as well as action oriented. It was very balanced. Um, so it wasn't as you say they're following the leads and you know Wolverine is essentially on the hunt you know after they've sort of broken all of this down so uh, yeah uh, you're moving on after that I mean you've got a brilliant scene there next uh, couple of pages so you move to a place in Krakow called the Healing Gardens um, so this is where they're they're essentially breaking down the bodies of the attempted assassins aren't they? Mm-hmm. That's exactly um, it yeah, they're, they're, they're doing um what do you call them? An autopsy. An autopsy. So that's it's interesting just seeing how an autopsy works in Krakow. You know, it's not stainless steel, you know, uh, surfaces for them and, you know, all clean and all the rest. It's done in, like, healing gardens. So, yeah, it's uh, something very different. But uh, I love the next uh, page of it where you've got Wolverine, sort of, you just see his hand and he's asking questions. Then the claws come out. <laughs> then the claws go back in, you know. And there's some, there's some great dialogue here as well. Um, you know, we're... Wolverine's you know gonna further hurt one of them um, he's saying like don't you dare make him comfortable he deserves the hurt she says I'm not in the business of punishment I heal and Wolverine says healing and hurting can be one and the same um, so yeah there's some great dialogue here and then this whole scene all ends Wolverine's got the the knowledge he needs and there's this great panel uh, just encased in shadow you know where Wolverine just goes because I'm going hunting. Stink. Well, uh, throw in a cape. That's Batman. It's sort of interesting because we find out we find out here what happened to Domino. You know, at the end of the you know the last time we saw her, she was she was trying to uh, trying to sneak into that meeting of that uh, pro-human group. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. when she was captured. But uh, they say that you know all of these operatives that snuck onto X Force have grafts, have skin grafts. Yeah. And the the skin that's grafted onto them is Domino's skin, yeah. which is why Krakoa registered. The, the invaders as Domino returning to the island. Uh, that's kind of gross. Yeah. Yeah, we were, we were really smart though. Yeah. Yeah. 
we were saying earlier there's a lot of horror elements in this book and certainly we'll get to that in a wee bit but Benjamin Percy's writing and is Joshua Kassara yeah. his art he has mm-hmm. a lot to play with the first in the first issue he's he's drawing Krakoa he's got he's got like a lot of maybe in this one he's got a lot more to play with he's got like horror he's got he's got action cre- yeah he's got like even the stuff that comes out of Cerebro mm-hmm. it's absolutely incredible I love yeah. I really really yeah. love his art style and there, you know, Wolverine, keen to know, you know, keen to know everything, get Jean here. We need to psychically interrogate these guys, find out everything we can, including whether or not Domino's alive or dead. If she's dead, then get Cerebro back online, kickstart her resurrection so we can debrief her final memories. <laughs> you know what I mean? No messing about. And I mean, that's that's Wolverine talking about a fellow soldier, so he knows what he's, mm-hmm. yeah. what he's talking about. He knows Domino very well. It's interesting, yeah, just as uh, Keelan just said there, you know, that scene where he's standing with his back to them. But the cape on it, that's Batman. There's a few scenes like that. Um, you know, a few encased in shadow or mm. sitting in a computer. Don't be surprised if this guy's drawing Batman in a year or two. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's nice as well after all that horror that you know, all the idea of skin grafting and all that kind of stuff, you then move on to a bit of humour, you know, because mm-hmm. it's always nice to have that bit of levity. But I've never thought of, you know, Logan being someone who could, you know, operate a computer well. Yeah, uh, you're right, he's not. And this is, <laughs> this is properly, you know, hammered home here, you know, where he's just like stupid, expletive computer, stupid, expletive security software. And then even just the image of him, he's, you know, he's got the chin <laughs> stuck out, he's, looking at it, he's just tapping the buttons. Uh, it's a single finger, finger tapping at the buttons. <laughs> you know, but then that's, that's interesting again, that sort of maybe... I mean, Logan's an, an old, old man, you know, he's, he's been around since the 1800s, yeah. um, you know, and we're talking, you know, referring back to our old guard yeah. uh, book club, you oh, know yes. I mean, and yeah. that, that, yeah. that difficulty with technology, because, you know, he's old and he never, no, you're not he growing just, up with he just he decided it, yeah. that it was past him, you know. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, yeah, that, I mean, I must admit then, uh, so the Wolverine scene is him trying to get some uh, sec- um, security intel, then a, a guard comes back and then he sort of paused in the air Kid Omega is not someone I'm familiar with uh, Kid Omega was created by Grant Morrison during his new X-Men run um, he is uh, this was a straightforward very grounded character yeah yeah, yeah well he actually was he started <laughs> yeah. off as a fairly straightforward grounded character uh, Quentin Quire is his name um, and he's uh, Kid Omega he's an Omega level telepath he uh, one of these his kids he was, he was a bit of a nerd and then he discovered his power and his and through uh, he, he led an Omega gang as as part of uh, Grant Morrison's run I think and he just he stuck around his character he's a he's a real dick he's a you know <laughs> uh, very very powerful but a real a real a-hole well I mean that's all pretty much uh, summed up in one line of dialogue from him where Wolverine's like what are you doing here and he's like I'm here because the professor finally realised what I've been preaching all along mutants are fucking superior mm-hmm. or at least I am you know, so it's. Um, I get the feeling have these two sort of teamed up before, or uh, a little bit of a comedy duo type. Well, thing? Wolverine was Quentin Quire was a a student at the Mass no not the Massachusetts Academy the Xavier School whenever Wolverine was the principal, whenever okay. he was in charge. So, uh, if I recall, uh, at that time, um, that was the that was the crack. Um, yeah. Well, one good thing he is is good with computers, so he's able to get the info that uh, <laughs> he's able to get the info Wolverine needs, but not before he opens up a credit card for Wolverine, gives him a truly miserable credit score, and then says, "Follow me if you want to stop something." Mm-hmm. Uh, he also works out Wolverine's passcode because it was good here, where uh, he says to Logan, 
Don't pretend competency, Grandpa Logan. I mean, honestly, what were you going to do? See if 123 worked as the passcode? Or maybe cigar or bourbon? Wolverine, how'd you know my passcode? <laughs> <laughs> then a grey line where he says back, because I can see inside of your thick skull and it's like a spent ice tray in a Depression-era hobo bar. <laughs> so, just, so yeah, just I think you need that little bit of humour and levity yeah. just amongst all the, the sort of body horror. Um, if I recall, Quentin Quire is uh, the future host of The Phoenix as well. Uh, what okay. is what level is he on compared to Xavier? Is uh, the similar level? I or? think, but yeah, but again, Quentin's Kid Omega just as as raw power. Ah. You know, he doesn't have maybe Xavier's, Xavier's refined. I couldn't, I, you know, I couldn't tell you exactly how they how they compare, especially not in the. Do you not have the mutant skill memorized? No, no, I don't. Uh, <laughs> he is an Omega level telepath, a genius level intellect, and uh, also has telekinesis. Telekinesis. So, yeah, yeah. He's working his way up to Omega level knowledge of the X Men. That's it. <laughs> Do my best. Do my best. Uh, yeah. But yeah, so all the detective stuff keeps going. Uh, again, these two work really well as a duo. Um, you know, there's. Wolverine saying things like kid I know you have 10 million thoughts a second but do me a favour and shut up it's mm-hmm. like you're just upset because I keep showing you up uh, but they essentially come across this lab and in this lab they are it says they in printing books they're printing bodies an assassin factory and you just see this actually reminded me of Watchmen a little bit you know mm-hmm. when now yeah, yeah. Dr. Manhattan yeah. is reforming um, after disappearing um, but you start to see like what, what's really cool is they're both sort of getting I should say this is all in parallel to Sage and Jean Grey conducting an investigation. And I like that they're kind of discovering the same thing, you know, from different angles. Um, You know, they're doing their dissection and they can see, like, this ear belongs to someone else. And, you know... Well, the the trick with the ear was the the ear... Was uh, spooled with wire. Uh, uh, It's not cartilage, it's wire, so it's ideal for climbing or binding or garroting. Yeah. You know what I mean? So these are, as they say, they're kind of... They're, they're not quite super soldiers, but they're definitely sort of on the way there, you know? Well, that's it. I mean, even Jean Grey saying, like, Logan knocked out every one of his teeth, asking the question, and Sage says, no, that was me, precautionary measure. They were cored with explosive putty. Yeah. So these really are just designed from the ground up for one purpose. Mm-hmm. Um, but then Jean decides to use her telepathy and go into the, the mind of the soldier line on the slab, and you get this beautiful sort of almost psychedelic art. Mm-hmm. Um, well, that psychedelic art seems to be depicting the masks of the individuals in that. Uh, the secret club? The secret club. Pro that, human that, club? That, that, yeah. that Domino was. I don't uh, know, I got real Court of Owls vibes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Uh, just to go back just a wee bit, uh, this page with uh, where Hank is uh, is still working on the, uh, you know, he's working on the new Cerebro and trying to trying to get it up and running. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, Gene's still talking about blind faith, you know. And uh, Hank says, I don't believe in prayer, but I remember a snatch of one. Please deliver our souls from the sword. That, to me, is a direct reference to what Magneto did the earlier. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I yeah. think that's Hank going, if I don't bring, if I can't bring Xavier back, Magneto's in charge. And if Magneto's in charge, that's Order. not good. Yeah. You know, <laughs> And Hank's the sort of blue, blue beast that you tend to listen to. Yeah. You know, yeah. He, know, he knows the crack. Well, I know this is completely a spoiler-filled podcast, but I actually don't want to go into too much detail on the last four pages because I think they're four of the best pages of X-Men so far in terms of combining action, horror, uh, humour, especially a part in case in Shadow, mm. uh, which is just great, and then it ends on a great cliffhanger as well. 
Um, so I, I don't really want to go into too much on that, just in yeah. case people do want to pick this book so up. So it's weird the way this this book is driving. Do you think it's driving the entire series forward? Mm, it's I, it's, I, the, I, it's yeah. the dark, the darker side of it. Yes. Yeah. This I, and Fallen Angels yeah. for me are the the dark books. I think uh, I think you're right, Alan. Absolutely. Um, I don't know that it's driving the entire series at the minute. New Mutants after one issue. Uh, to be fair, like so, there's not a lot to go on. But New Mutants <laughs> is out in the middle of space. You know, in mm-hmm. uh, the in the uh, Shi'ar, so, so is issue two. You know, so <laughs> so they're not really impacting directly on what's happening in Krakoa or what's happening mm-hmm. in the world. Um, definitely, the event in the first issue of X Force was a hugely echoing event that's, that that affects yeah. all the yeah. other books. Um, uh, but yeah, I don't know. This and X Men currently, and Marauders actually is is quite central. Uh, well, Marauders was interesting. You read issue two. Yeah, it have, was yeah. interesting. Obviously, because it named the third, the third member of the Quiet Council. Yeah, yeah the, which the, was interesting. Mm-hmm, yeah, um, the Red King. Mm-hmm. I mean, what I would say is to, to go to your point, Roddy, is that if someone came in to me and they said, "Look, I don't have the budget to read all the X books. Which one should I get to fill me in on what's happening?" I would personally recommend X Force. Yep. Yeah, um, I yeah. think the bigger moments are happening in it, but the other stuff there's there's just quiet world building going on. The other ones, yeah, at the moment. yeah. I mean, Excalibur is the is the the, the magic book, mm-hmm. um, the other world, you know, and uh, that. So it's it's covering that that end of things, but not really connecting up to the uh, to the others, you know, and in the same way as. New Mutants out in space, so not really doing that. And Fallen Angels it seems to be doing its own thing. Yeah, a wee bit. That's quite um, dark and grisly. The second is, issue is yeah. very not. To, there are no spoilers because no, you haven't read it, but it's very, very heavy on the action. Yeah, like but, very heavy. Yeah, so so those three, they're very, very good. They're great books, but uh, but maybe not core for me. The core would be would be X Men. It, it sort of it seems to be dealing really with what's going on. I mean, even this issue two was very much Krakoa focused. Um, there's there's something happening on Krakoa with, yeah, without saying too much about it because not pick um, but it's Krakoa focused then X-Force also is, is driving that story and then um, Marauders definitely is there's a, there's a political uh, side to, to Marauders that was, yeah so those would be the three cool. cores yeah. I would say at the minute but yeah my sort of final word on this X-Force issue would be that it's come out the same week as the previous books come out and the writer of this is relaunching Wolverine in February and oh. that has me very excited. Yes, absolutely. So clearly gets them. Uh, clearly gets Wolverine as a character, and there's no. Interestingly, there's no Fallen Angel solicit in February, so I kind of wonder if they're going to keep a core of six dawn of X books at any one time. Right. And then maybe just change things here and there. So, but again, well, that's just speculation on my part. Uh, maybe it's just taking a break. But uh, the fact that Percy's doing such a great job on this, and then he's doing Wolverine, perfect. Hence why it's on the recommendations board. Although it was. <laughs> It was Vicky that put it there rather than me, but uh, Benjamin Percy also wrote the script for the Wolverine: The Long Night podcast. Yeah, yeah, uh, and on the DC side of things, he writes mm-hmm. Deathstroke. So yeah, so that was my pick. That was X Force number two. Lovely. So step away from the the Marvel and the big two, Kieran. What you got? I have Second Coming issue number five from Ahoy Comics, and I think this has been my favorite of the of what's been released so far. It's six issue mini so it's penultimate issue but it's just great it's what's just the story with the series what's the gist and we should say sorry to interrupt it would have been a DC book it we're would have been a DC book some if silly DC controversy. hadn't yeah, wished out in controversy there's yeah. actually more than that um, that's one yeah. of the best parts about this book <laughs> at the back but 
the gist of the book is God's got a bit fed up with humanity and decides, all right, he's got one more chance, sends Jesus back to earth, but he sends him under the protection of the world's strongest super. He's not necessarily the greatest hero. He's got a bit of an ego. He's a bit arrogant. Uh, Sunman. Territory. Have you watched the boys? <laughs> <laughs> Very much. Sunstar was fit in quite strongly with. Right. I'd say Homelander. Yeah, yeah. It's very Homelandery <laughs> vibes. Maybe a bit more genuine, a bit less creepy. But oh, it's, it's yeah, great. A bit more of an oof, I would say. Than yeah, I don't, he doesn't quite have the cruel streak to be Homelander. Yeah. You reading this as well, Roddy? Yes, I am indeed. Oh. Um, as am I. I don't want the odd one either, for once. Yeah, and <laughs> the, the ironic thing is, you would adore it. Well, you yeah. know, maybe, maybe I'll grab it when it's done. Yeah, yeah. yeah definitely. You can borrow my issues anytime. Sweet. Thank you. Uh, but yeah, it's fallen on from so the overarching story so far is Jesus is trying to bring the world back together. He's trying to bring peace and kindness back to humanity. Sunstar is trying to his fiance girlfriend fiance is trying to convince him to adopt a baby. He's almost reluctant to do it because, well, I'm an immortal, I'm going to watch my kid grow up and die, I'm going to have to bury everyone I love, what's the point in getting yeah. attached? But yeah, it opens on Sunstar and his fiance have received a letter from Zazu Gorman, the dictator and father of all Churkmen, who is offering him the many brave Churkin orphans who are the hardest working orphans in the world and the best to choose from if you're looking to adopt. So... It, it, they're almost at this point where they're desperate they're desperate to get right, they, keep getting because turned down at this they keep point, getting turned they? down because every time they're interviewed by the adoption service he has to jet off and save be someone and be a hero and it's all all uh, I can't actually remember her name Sheila Sheila yeah. all Sheila wants is a kid and of course because of whatever way he exists he can't he help can't her with it, yeah. one and they're also not being able to adopt um, so Sheila convinces him to to read it into this, to have a look at this offer to adopt one of the hardest working kids in the world. But uh, before it can follow up with that, it cuts to Berlin, Germany, where God and Lucifer are having lunch. Lucifer in a nice, well-dressed suit. God dressed like a trucker. And yeah. Lucifer, of course, trying to hide his identity with his uh, horns worked into his hair. Yes, his, he's got <laughs> the, that, just, just that, nice, that nice fringe. Did. Yeah, Lucifer's Lucifer is trying to convince God to take him back to give him another chance. This, his argument is, you know, you made ma- you made me from pure light and fire. You made men from dust. Why why did you favor them? Why why did you cast me aside when when you're done with them? God's point is you tur- you corrupted man. You corrupted my favorite creation. Why why would I trust you again? It's, it's Lucifer trying to talk his father into bringing him back, letting him come home. But God is wary as the last time Lucifer was home. He didn't exactly leave on a high note in that he stirred rebellion in heaven and was cast out in fiery blast but it it cuts back to these are two stories are running in parallel so it cuts back to Sunstar going to Turkey to visit this dictator and see these orphans for sale uh, rental adoption whichever option it's it's being billed as and this guy, he's very much trying to liken himself to Sunstar. He says, you know, we're the best that we're the best to offer. I, I inherited this whole country when I was 16. I know the burden of absolute power and leadership that's required. And Sunstar is looking at this guy saying, is this really how people see me? This arrogant and boister, or boisterous, noisy person. And he, you can tell he's been quite disgruntled. He's not really happy that 
this guy's identifying with him is that like would you how you, would you feel if an egomaniac said oh me and you we're just the same we're exactly the same <laughs> but yeah um so eventually he says right I gotta go see these kids point the way and the dictator sends them off then cuts to what's quite possibly my two favourite pages it's Jesus in the park with a couple of his new disciples they ask him why did he come back was it for revenge Jesus says no uh, I came back because when I was younger God was never around I got used to being alone it wasn't enough God had to create the world but I had to make sure that everyone was okay and uh, one of the best panels is God trying to explain the rules to humans. So the way this is built as God created to control the population, to bring it up, God created sexual reproduction to control it and cull it. He created violence in humans. But after a while he realized this kind of went a little unchecked so he decided to make a few rules or commandments. And what's quite possibly my favorite line in the entire series is God trying to explain the commandments to Noah. Noah's questioning, hmm, thou shalt not kill. How much wiggle room is there in this one? Because it's, nobody should kill. Nobody should kill anybody. It's a commandment. You get it? Noah's response is, I think so. And you cut to the next panel, and it's it's two groups of people about to stone each other to death, with Noah shouting, thou shalt not kill for violating this commandment. You must die. And uh, God's response is quite over. I don't know, can I swear... Just in, yeah, in, the, ma- in the matter swear. of... I already threw a swear word at 3x4, so it's, it's all right. It's yep. just God facepalming, saying, oh, for fuck's sake, as he watches <laughs> these creations, just completely ignore him. And it, it marks it, that marked his return to heaven, giving up on humanity and earth. Just He walks in and, to Jesus in his room saying, idiots, they're all idiots, they, they don't get it. <laughs> Which Jesus then took as his opportunity to go, hang on a second, I'll go down, I'll see if I can fix this, not with rules, but with love. Um, and then once again it's back to Sunman who has found the orphanage which is, is a not, bit is his name not Sunstar Sunstar I keep mixing up Sunman Sun well there are a few different heroes that he is a little bit like and they tend to have the S and Man <laughs> and they all wear red cape and red boots <laughs> but yeah he's following a, a crude map to this orphanage which seems to be in the middle of nowhere which seems a little a little odd <laughs> I love the sign yeah <laughs> uh, so he enters and he's like this seems a little sparse for an orphanage and of course you know in complete completely trustworthy looking it's a door with a very hand drawn sign on it which just says orphans inside and he opens it and there's a nuke inside which then explodes quite violently but of course it, it doesn't harm the invulnerable immortal Sunstar and he then Learning. goes <laughs> yes this comic I've been reading for five issues I finally know some of the characters <laughs> names he then flies back to the dictator's home to quite angrily he's a bit peeved at being nuked as you might expect yeah to find the dictator who is actually in the process of hanging another portrait showing his next conquering after after all the big game he captured and killed and all the taking over from his father it is an urn with a nuclear symbol which clearly set up to hold sun ma- Sunstar's ashes I almost did it again and a portrait of Sunstar chained and bowed before the great dictator so uh, Sunstar decides that the best punishment would be to send him to Greenland because it gets pretty cold that time of the year and he needs to cool off then cuts back to Jesus side of the story he's come to visit God has come to visit after his chat with Lucifer, he's, he's conflicted on whether to give Lucifer another chance. Jesus says, are you crazy? You remember what he did last time? You're going to let him back into your home. So there's a difference in forgiveness and stupidity. You don't just blindly follow. Why would you let him back into hell? Referring to Satan, and God just replies, to save you. 
um, it's it covers more God, God and Satan's relationship. <laughs> yeah. So before God, God didn't give Satan a decision on whether he would let him back in the hell. Said next time it rains, have a look, you'll have your answer. So Satan walking down the street and he looks up. And there's a rainbow, and in that rainbow is the faded out text saying, "I'm sorry." <laughs> and it's it's not overly clear whether that's an apology from God for how you treated him or I'm sorry you can come back. Well, I mean, isn't that is that not biblically the uh, the exact purpose of the rainbow to send, in, in, send, in the Old Testament? Was yeah, the, the first rainbow was after the flood, wasn't it? Yeah, and it was yeah. effectively. God's apology to, to, the, to the earth for or, yeah, this is a brand that, leaving the water running. This is a brand new day. <laughs> yeah. Um, so the fin- final few pages are Sunstar turns back to Sheila. He says it was all a pipe dream. You know, what's I don't think children is going to happen for us. It's a nice dream and all that, but I think we have to accept it's just going to be the two of us. That's it. Sheila asks him, is it enough? He explains, you know, I'm, I'm an immortal. There's no getting around that. I'm going to grow old. Yeah, I'm not going to grow old. You will. I'm going to watch you die. There's a few panels. Her uh, Sunstar looks the exact same. Sheila is visibly aging. She's in hospital. It's quite clear that she didn't have a lot of time left. So in response to this, and the fact that he knows he's, even if he loves her, he's going to still have to watch her die, he decides to ask her tomorrow. Because... Oh. Why, why not? Yeah, Romance. Romance. I, I think that last... Like, yeah, what I love very... about this book is it's like hilarious... But it's also got but a lot of pathos yeah, at the same time, and I love um, that sort of third last page. There's a lot of um, a lot of real heart in it. Yeah, as you can see, even from the previous issues, he's been very headstrong and arrogant. You can see that there is, while he might not be totally, there is a human side to him. And yeah, he says, "I actually had a ring, but it got melted in nuclear blast. So we'll have to get around <laughs> to that again." And um, the last page is actually quite interesting. It's setting up obviously for the final issue. It is the dictator who's covered in a bit. He's clearly not having a great time in Greenland. He's into this room with a few odd-looking characters sitting at a long table, quite reminiscent of a rather famous Da Vinci painting. Mm. And it's Satan who has who has uh, brought these fine people together to settle the score with an indestructible man and his room's roommate, the heretic who calls himself Jesus Christ. <laughs> and it's it's made to be quite clear that Jesus and Sunstar are now the targets for Satan's revenge or plot against God. Yeah, it was just another fun issue, but the best part of these comics, to be honest, story aside, is the back matter to them. After all the abuse and crap that's had to go through with these getting dropped by DC, the letters in it saying that, oh, this is blasphemy and this is a disaster. The letters, every letter is from someone saying how wrong these were. There's letters from clergymen, people who practice faith, saying this is not blasphemous at all. If anything, this is this is on brand. This goes. This is going for the it's, message of love. It kind of it kind of reminds me of um, one of my favorite films is The Last Temptation of Christ mm-hmm. by Big Marty Scorsese, obviously. <laughs> Big Marty. Big Marty, and like <laughs> if you protest that film, you do not understand. You don't understand the message. Like yeah. Jesus, you don't understand like humanity. You don't understand heart. You know. And it's like it's the same with this book. It's like you have to be really stupid to to miss, to miss the message. To miss yeah. it, you know. Yeah, but no, just that's just in the end. You know, there's people thanking them for it was a br- this series has been a bright spot from the loss of a loved one. This teach- shows that just because one person says this, it doesn't mean that they're right on the rules for who you're meant to love and who you're not. So they talk about the scene with the devil 
between the gay bar and the hateful Christians is really insightful and it's it's not preaching this. It's really great stuff and this series has just been wonderful to read and the art is just beautiful. Yeah, Richard Pace and Yes. Yeah, I should say Mark so Russell is the writer. Mark Russell is the writer, Richard Pace is the artist, and Leonard Kirk, Andy Troy and Rob Stein helped with the I mean, colours and letters. In fairness to Second Coming, it's one of those rare occasions where DC have actually been quite good because they did drop it fair enough. Yeah. But the thing is if that had have come out under DC, yeah. they would have owned all the rights to the characters. But they basically said, look, maybe this isn't for us right now, but they gave the rights to Mark Russell and said, look, go and shop it somewhere else. Yes, that massive, the, massive corporation were very kind in giving the man back his character. No, but in a sense they are. because yeah, like they, they could have they, they easily just they, they could have went, no, we own this, we're not releasing it. Yeah. You know, so in fairness, they said, look, it's not for our brand, but go and make it elsewhere. And the yeah, thing so about maybe it, it is, was a case they did see the potential to have, and it was like, we can't, well, but we want people to read as this. As well, because of this controversy, wherever this laid, it was going to sell well. Yeah. And it sells exactly. well in the store. Yeah. We have a good few people on it, and it's from Ahoy Comics. I don't think I have any other Ahoy yeah. Comics on yeah. the list. <laughs> not even Roddy has a no. <laughs> I don't know if they exist, but but for this, yeah. it it does well. So um, no, I'm I'm reading this as well, and I think this will do well when it hits trade. For and, all the, uh, especially all those people who uh, love preacher and you know sort of that is yeah, yeah that's that's the the vibe. It's, it's you know? So that's interesting. So it's a, it's like a preacher vibe. Is that what we're or is that? In, in, in a way the preacher deconstructs it, like it explores religious and, religion in a humorous way and points out a lot of hypocrisies but, but there is, is hard to that's very, very much Jesus experience on earth is everything that he said and preached has been mistranslated or lost or misheard there's actually one panel in an earlier issue where he is preaching about don't judge others or you would judge yourself and it cuts to a far away a panel of two guys far away here like what, what did you say I, I didn't catch that and the guy goes judge others as you expect them to judge you and it, it's very much showing the, the mixing of the messages which is it won't be a big seller in DUP camps then no I can't imagine this being in the reading list took that long to get a <laughs> well I, I was going I was going a wee bit before, yeah, yeah. I, was, I was very careful with what I was saying this now leads to a perfect segue yeah so this is the perfect segue we've tackled religion yeah. come on Keith let's tackle tackle politics <laughs> what's, what's your pick <laughs> so my pick this week is not just a DC book but a, a DC Vertigo book or Black Label as they're calling it these days um, <laughs> and that is the first issue of uh, of Simon Spurrier and Aaron Campbell's John Constantine Hellblazer which within the Sandman universe which is exactly that I was just about to say oh, sorry. within the Sandman sorry. universe sorry um, so <laughs> no, no, no 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 please don't apologise don't apologise um, so Simon Cy Spurrier the writer um, Judge Dredd uh, he did a previous run on X-Force in 2014-15 that involved Cable um, Star Wars Dr. Afra, mm. uh, and he I think he's been sort of the showrunner on the whole this was the Sandman Universe stuff, wasn't it? He's also writing the Dreaming, isn't that right? He, yes. Yeah, he wrote the, along with Neil Gaiman, he wrote the original one-shot, which then sort of laid the groundwork for all these titles. So he's sort of the curator of but them. But he, he is also writing, he is writing one yeah. of them. Yeah. Um, one series of his I really enjoyed, just to throw it out, there's a complete left turn, because it couldn't be any different to this, is uh, he did a book a few years ago called uh, Six Gun Gorilla. Oh, wow. Which is wonderful, uh, with Jeff uh, Stokely on art. Um, and it's exactly what it says in the tin it's a massive gorilla 
that has two six gun <laughs> shooters and it's on a big reality TV show and it's very fun but anyway um, Constantine the, the artists uh, are in Campbell I know most recently from uh, finally getting around to reading Garth Ennis's The Shadow the first six issues of Dynamite's The Shadow I think it was volume one mm-hmm. of that so that was the, the, the fire of creation that, um, that, that six issue run which was absolutely fantastic um, but clearly in that time I think that was that, that was mm-hmm. almost just 10 years ago yeah it was, was a, a big really? club, I think 2010s yeah there he did, um, did a series recently last last year called That's Infidel um, he was the artist on it absolutely yeah. image fantastic book. series um, so yeah uh, John Constantine is back uh, which is always nice to see. So the first thing, uh, first thing was with on the first page, I had to look up a word. The second word, <laughs> yeah, the second word second of the whole word. book. Well, I understood what that meant. Uh, so do you, do you know what a hurry specs is? I only know because you told me. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Yeah, it's I, not do, something I had to look I'm it up as well. familiar with now. Yeah, yeah. So a hurry specs, it turns out, is like a like a shaman or a diviner who uses uh, innards. Uh, innards and, and gore in order to spare parts discern the future I guess it's like like uh, looking at chicken guts to tell the future or it's like looking at tea that. leaves you know yeah but <laughs> a bit grimmer but, but meatier yeah. um, so yeah so there's a tea leaves is a vegetarian option is that, that's where yeah that's my option <laughs> that's where this starts with the how you specs a diviner uh, consulting his meat uh, in order to to look at what's happening and he, he views the uh, it seems like the destruction of two drug dealers um, on Peg and Rye Common uh, by angels who appear to live in this tree in, in the common uh, and the, the angels effectively disassemble these bodies unmake the bodies as if they never existed melt them into dust and light and we're introduced to um, what do we call them the the Rye Boys Rye Boys yeah. the Rye Boys who are a local uh, a local gang and uh, they're obviously the, the, the two dealers. And have been uh, consumed by the angels or, or members of their uh, of their their gang. Uh, anyway, but and then we are quickly introduced to uh, reintroduced to our hero, our protagonist rather, uh, <laughs> John Constantine, the Hellblazer. Um, in the uh, in the the long logs, uh, a, uh, a bunny themed pub, uh, and he's telling a joke. <laughs> it's a fantastic joke, it really is. <laughs> but it just introduces. It introduces John. Well, and, uh, sorry, it's not a pub. It's a microbrewery. It's a. It is a microbrewery. You're right. You're exactly right. And that's that's part of the part of the thing, yeah. isn't it? But yeah, he's telling this joke that just you're like, okay, yeah, John Constantine is back. You know, he's. It's totally irreverent. It's totally not easy, yeah. but it's a great joke. <laughs> and he's. We should say it's a joke at the expense of the royal family. Yeah, always good, uh, and that's the reason he gets chucked out because the landlord, as he's told by the female bouncer, is a royalist. Um, so some great, some great dialogue, absolutely fantastic dialogue. Uh, Sykes Breuer is is an Englishman. Uh, he 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 writes Constantine as an Englishman well, and the you know so the language, the language suits the book. Yep. You know what I mean? It's set in I guess it's set in London. Um, so yeah, very very good. Um, uh, the, the 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 conversation that sparks up between himself and is it Nat the yeah. uh, the bouncer. Um, who also gets one of the best lines of the book as she denies entry to someone who looks underage. <laughs> so she does. I'll not say it out loud because this is a you know family friendly podcast <laughs> with three swear words so far. We'll we'll maybe cap it at that. That's very very good. <laughs> but yeah, I mean it's it's just it's a fantastic book. An old uh, an old buddy of uh, John's turns up and uh, 
well, tries to stab him and uh, <laughs> and uh, Nat. Uh, that that's the one panel, by the way, that that just really reminds me of Matt Ryan on the left yeah, hand page yeah, in the middle. Right. Matt Ryan, who is the actor who played Constantine played, yeah. in the book, yeah, and oh, no, sorry, in the show, yeah, uh, late the man did and too early cancelled, yeah, gone yeah. too soon. Um, yeah, so it's it it's it's a great, really really good book. Um, Constantine ends up uh, shanghaied by uh, by two members of of the gang. Uh, we talked the Rye Boys that we talked about earlier. They uh, their 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 turf is is Peckham Common, where the the angels have attacked two of their their drug dealers or ended at least two of their drug dealers. Um, so he's he's shanghaied. He's taken back, and when it's just two, I guess I don't know whether this this is the this is the specs we were talking about earlier on, who is either the leader or the shaman of this yeah. gang. You know. Again, Sysburyer has really he's up the game on the on the lingo, you know the the, the London inner city yeah, this, lingo. This gave um, me hints of Dark Knight Returns of all things. You know the way like all the mutants and all the ones who run the streets have their own language that you can't always follow. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Maybe it's just the same we're getting old. But well, I mean, it's you know, there's definitely a there's an element of of that there. I don't know what the the you know if there's a that's another great line for Constantine there. I'm gonna have to swear once just for this, but uh, just as we're talking about the language, they're speaking to Constantine when he's tied up, and he goes, "Actually, Chief, no, I don't get you. I don't speak fuck with tees. <laughs> <laughs> fuck with tees, yeah, that's right. You know, um, so that this this leader is called uh, K Mag, um, and you know, I guess K Mag is the is the leader of the gang. He's he's certainly the guy who's. Uh, Who's messing about with the, the guts and telling the future? Um, but uh, you know, the, just again, just the, the the dialogue in this is fantastic. You know, there's within within uh, Constantine's speech, there are, are lowercase words, and it's, it's kind of like him talking to himself. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, so I thought I thought that part was utterly brilliant. That was fantastic. Yeah. You know, he's he's saying things under his breath, or he's saying things to himself rather than you know so uh we're introduced to k-mag and and one of the one of the the, the rye boy brubs uh you know says that's k-mag man you respect or you bucked boy and under his breath uh hellblazer is like fucked got it <laughs> looks to me like you're mr k-mag got some spooky wookie of his own why do you need me so they've obviously they've, they've kidnapped uh john for a reason the reason of course being that uh being that they're having trouble with these angels and 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 Rye Park the angels as they're calling them, and, you know they want him to sort of go in and and, and figure it out and uh, and uh, yeah. So it's you know think in that scene as well. There's a little bit where Spurrier's trying to maybe say how easily everybody in this world is offended now. There's a part where he says like, oh, I think that one's had a stroke too. What about short stuff here? Can he speak English? And they're like, whoa, man, that's ableist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Man, no, it's mute. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> it's, it's almost like he literally can't say anything. Yeah, John doesn't. You know, and that's the other, thing, you know, that's Is the reason John... time displaced or...? He, he's a pro, he's certainly a product of his time. Yeah. And there, certainly the, the one shot that there was a, an element of... of Time travel yeah. there, yeah. so yeah. I don't know if that is if it's case of. But you know, at the end of the day, John Constantine is not someone who cares. Yeah, because you know, I wasn't too sure because I read this without reading the one shot, mm. so I was like, but it doesn't really matter because you know, John Constantine doesn't care. Oh, so exactly, he doesn't care. So, <laughs> so, and so earlier right. on, he was in that yeah. pub, which, as you rightly said, was a microbrewer. That's yeah. not where John Constantine belongs, you no. know. <laughs> and then we've got a we've got a, a moment here where where K Mag, you know. Uh, I think this is the bit that uh, Alan thought that I really enjoyed. 
you know, but <laughs> they, uh, you know, they talk about a blood run. One of the members, the younger members, going on a blood run. The blood runs an initiation. You know, the youth gets up to a full G active member of the gun of the of the gang. You know, um, but uh, you know, John's like you're just using kids to hit the competition, and K Mag's not so simple. Rye boys are refuge. These these youth, they hated, no future, no respect, racists and Tories and hipster fucks. This is their manner now. This is the this is their. Put me in mind of Grenfell Tower actually. Um, mm. But uh, but yeah, so it's you know the the, the Rye Boys is a brotherhood. But anyway, um, you know John ends up in in, in Peckham. What do we say, Peckham Rye, and meets a homeless guy, and you know eventually, you know he. he I had real Alan Moore vibes off this homeless guy. I didn't know if this was intentional or not. I think this was intentional. I think you know Alan Moore as the as the the wizard, mm. you know, and also a man, the man who created Constantine wasn't that the case there was actually a moment where I thought because I've read the other Sandman universe titles I've read them in trade and I thought for a second it was Lucifer mm. so Lucifer was newly ginger mm-hmm. for a bit right, okay, okay. Um, and I thought maybe especially with the angels I thought maybe that would be linked because I know Hellblazer is key to appear in the other Sandman yeah. title mm-hmm. mm. but, but yeah this the story of the the story of these these angels in the tree and and uh, they seem to be you know Disassembling these these drug dealers, uh, you know we've got a we've got a third person narrative, you know talking about the how you specs and about the wizard being being John and and all of that and just what the what what are these angels? What are they doing? You know and, and what's the what's the crack with them? And then on the other side, then we've got uh, we've got what looks like a, a bit of a um, it's there's a bit of a how would you how would you talk about this this last couple of it couple definitely of pages? It definitely took a turn in the last couple of pages so it did um, where there seems to be these visions coming through again it's uh, what how you said again Har Specs Harry Specs yeah um, sort of maybe seeing another different vision there because if you see he's looking into it and then there's that green there and he's seeing this other vision of looks like a club some sort of looks like uh, like sadomasochists uh, people wearing masks people you know being humiliated and all this kind of stuff down in the darkness and then it sort of ends with uh, where all that's taking place and they basically have this big wide shot of Westminster uh, and Big Ben and maybe a little something there oh, there's, a, there's definitely a wee another wee little jab at the uh, establishment well there's definitely a, the, the individual the, the naked individual who seems to be <laughs> undertaking a lot of these uh, these uh, yeah. unpleasant activities is, is the Prime Minister and there's definitely an indication there a tinge of blonde there that he is uh, the one wanker who's currently in charge of uh, number 10 <laughs> or swear count goes up to five. Maybe we need a swear count. Does my count is a swear? Six. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's interesting because the guy who is in charge of, uh, in charge of whatever this activity is, this dark club, you know, he's singing about, uh, he's singing about these dark satanic mills, and the last, uh, you know, the last well, background is, is, as you say, is uh, Westminster. In the one shot, was there not two different Constantines? There was. It was an old. So one. I'm wondering if this is the older one here. You see the cigarette at the top there, because straight away I thought this was Constantine. Oh, interesting. I hadn't thought about that. That's a really good point. Uh, really looking forward to issue two of this. Yeah, and yeah. then it's got, um, isn't he singing the uh, Jerusalem? Yeah, uh, the Jerusalem. unofficial national anthem. Oh yeah. If you're a cricket fan, yeah, you know what Jerusalem is. 
I did not. Uh, <laughs> you don't pick up on that? He is yeah. neither a uh, Royal fan or a cricket fan. Nope. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, Constantine, it's great to have him back in the in the DC universe, I think. The Hellboys are in case, because obviously I'm reading just League Dark. Mm-hmm. It's two very different Constantines. Yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. this is very classic Vertigo era Constantine. Yeah. Dark and scratchy and nightmarish. Not a superhero. Not a superhero. Doesn't care. Isn't in it to get publicity or thanks from people. Definitely think I prefer the Hellblazer to the. Mm. Um, That's that's what I loved about it. It felt um, effortless. You know, when somebody gets Constantine, it's like it feels very. They're trying hard to capture that magic, yeah. you know, but I, I feel like Sysbury and Aaron Campbell, Jordi Belair on colours. Jordi Belair, yeah, who seems to be colouring every uh, comic under the sun. Absolutely, and also Wright and Buffy. Yeah. Also, Aditya's, I can't remember the name. It's I love actually the credits at the back as well. I can't, I, can't, oh, yes, I can't remember the letterer's name offhand. I feel really bad because it's these savage by Aditya Bidikar. Bidikar? Yeah, yeah, that, yeah, that's, that's what. That, yeah. yeah, that's where that lowercase and the uppercase. Yeah, are I just, think that's yeah. a real, yeah. real testament to the book. Even with the singing and stuff again, different sort of uh, lettering techniques there as well. Um, but yeah, no, very, very impressive first issue. Uh, the one shot was great. This built brilliantly on it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yep. big seller in the store already we're down to our last couple of copies I think a lot of people are excited to get the Hellblazer you may have to keep me another copy I managed to drip on the front cover oh dear I know I know oh dear you're in the highest fall <laughs> you flew too close um, to the sun <laughs> hey. uh, cool so that was uh, Hellblazer John Constantine number one yep. uh, from DC that was Keith's pick and now we move on to Alan's pick uh, <gasps> oh wait no this is oh, this is it. stolen from Alan oh. this is Roddy's pick <laughs> but well. apparently there's a new rule if you recommend I, it yeah you get first dibs first dibs yeah <laughs> absolutely um, but I think it's only a testament to the book that we both picked it and, and I would also say this is a great a great companion piece to Hellblazer really? yeah yeah there's definitely um, obviously a horror vibe and Ooh. the title Aaron Campbell was on Infidel I got vibes of okay. that book from this there's a lot of um, same with Hellblazer I guess there's a lot of social commentary but this one when I picked it up I felt it was like homicide Life on the Street or The Wire yeah. meets, oh, meets oh. the supernatural. You've got oh, me. You've so, got me. Sold them. Right. That's it. <laughs> there's ideas of legacy yeah. in it as well. Yeah. I think there's we'll lore. There's um, all right. You don't have to overdo it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You've made the sales. Stop trying. Yeah. Um, we should say what is this magical? This book? title is called Philadelphia, and it is. It is an ongoing series or a miniseries? Yeah, I mean, I tried to find a bit of information on it. There's usually when it's, there's going to be a miniseries or something, it'll say one of six or something like that. But I looked in the previous book and I looked on the. Uh, I even did a wee bit of research online to see. I'm more than happy for this to continue. Yeah, for a while. I, I think it should. Um, I think this is one of the strong. I mean, we've been very positive about Boom's number ones recently. I think this is one of Image's best number ones yeah, of the year. Absolutely. Um, so we're talking Philadelphia number one which I did mention on previous. I was very excited for. Um, <laughs> you mentioned so, previous. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, it's by Rodney Barnes. Uh, he's the writer and he's been on 
lots of TV shows like Marvel's Runaways, Wu Tang Clan, and American Saga, and Stars American Gods, which is Neil Gaiman, which will tie into Hellblazer yes, nicely. Then we've got the artist is Jason Sean Alexander, who's been mostly known for Spawn. At the yeah, moment. like rocking and rolling in Spawn. Then we've got Color by Lewis NCT, I think, and Lettering by Marshall Dillon. Editor is Greg Tomborello. Um, so yeah, this this book I was just blown away by. It. I was really excited for it in the first place, and when it arrived, it did not disappoint me. No. Um, so you've got basically the story. It's same as Second Coming. There's sort of two layers to it. Um, it's a uh, but a detective investigating uh, the last case of his father, mm-hmm. and he he is going he's in the the son is in baltimore but he's going back to philadelphia baltimore you say yeah which is of course the, the wire, star yeah. of the wire <laughs> yeah so he returns to philadelphia or mm-hmm. philadelphia so as we've learned philadelphia is slang for it's the actually a real it's a real world term yeah yeah but uh so he he returns to philly and basically to investigate um there's disappearances going on and yeah i'm absolutely blown away by this um jason sean alexander's art is utterly gorgeous it's sort of sort of otherworldly would you say there's the panels just kind of fade in and out and then there's it reminded me a little bit although much more refined but it reminded me a little bit of if you've ever played max Payne. When you get the uh, the cutscenes that they do in a comic book style, oh yeah, reminded yeah. me of that quite a bit. You know, sort of grimy and noiry, but certainly with horror elements as well. I mean, the idea of legacy. I was saying with uh, what's so cool in this book is that the son is basically one of your traditional chip on the shoulder. I'll never live up to my father. You know, he's got this great reputation as this great detective. Doesn't matter what I do, I'll never be like the great, you know, man mm-hmm. that my father was. Yeah. And then he comes back. His father has died in yes. this investigation and then the son picks up his dad's diary and then finds okay. notes for the last case. how did you find the diary because i know you're you're iffy I, on the I old, lived with the, old really, written, the story the stuff the storytelling was yeah. so good i uh the storytelling was so good i just went with it yeah i what roddy's alluding to there is i you know i've talked about it before when but when you get in comic books when you get that joined up writing sort of style that handwritten style I find it hard to read sometimes a little bit like I know you were saying you had problems sometimes with Batman who laughs with the red and black sometimes they can make it a bit more awkward than they need to yes mm-hmm. yeah, and yeah. the handwritten stuff it's a bit of a pet peeve of mine whenever the style whenever the style gets in the way of the actual reading yeah, of the book exactly you know you're, you're struggling to read you know you want a good flow but in this the storytelling was that was so good I just yeah I went for it yeah so um yeah basically he picks up the investigation and he comes to a place called harvest green homes aka hell hall uh-huh. which uh to me it reminded me slightly of um yeah, it might be a good comparison because there's a lot of social commentary in it but it reminded me a little bit of candy man the uh like film from the 90s oh yeah candy um candy man candy man don't say it five times so. <laughs> um can't remember what the there was a housing project, um, the Cabrini Green housing project, I think, which Chicago. is in Chicago. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's there's a lot of social stuff going on. Um, there's a lot of I love the the 
combination of the social housing with that's where the vampires kind of Oh, you said vampires. We, we haven't yeah. mentioned vampires about Yeah, Star Wars. so there's a lot of... It blends <laughs> genres without being, like, one distinct thing. It's That's why it feels so original, it's like I think. police procedural, but there's, like, this twisted hint of, like, vampirism that lives there. He's obviously petrified of Hell Hall. There's this uh, legacy story that you mentioned. There's, like, there's so much going on in it. It's mm-hmm. a very dense read. But if you were to say, okay, what is it? You're like, well, it blends genres, you know? (laughs) It's police procedural, vampire, social commentary, all sorts. But I mean, mean, it's it's great because the son is obviously haunted. He feels like he can never live up to to his father. We should say it's um, it's a black man. So there's a lot of um, there's a lot of stuff going on about injustices and police police work going on sort of with him yeah. yeah and it's I also d- just great world building in it as well as you say that project uh, housing was initially conceived in the book as this is going to be a great new district of philadelphia and this yeah. is new housing for people and it's affordable and then very quickly it becomes, it becomes something run else, down yeah. and it becomes something completely different and obviously maybe the vampires in the book represent something else mm-hmm. but okay um yeah i i absolutely adored it it just came out of left field when it was in the previous book mm. and i think it's one of i think it's one of the best image titles of the last couple of years easy big just, words yeah yeah i would agree yeah i would agree um it just okay all right so what so you're Keith, saying you're is, gonna pick that up what you're saying <laughs> is, is out of the four books that we talked about tonight two of them i already have and the other two i now want yeah <laughs> <laughs> whoa yeah. whoa yeah. spoiler spoiler <laughs> last page spoiler it's all good it's all good um, is that um, issue that's issue one issue one yeah, yeah. okay um, just like today see the thing is I knew we were going to be talking about it and I knew a little bit of passion might come through on it I've I've added orders to my next week's order I uh, have to come in yeah. next week because right. I think that's it, it, just like the story itself I think it's a bit of a slow burner mm-hmm. but there's so much to unpack in it that I just think this is going to end up being really popular I know uh, both Roddy and I will be uh, will be uh, holidaying next week yeah. uh, but if you could we're not that, jealous at all like are we if you not could, the slightest uh, I'm happy going to work I can, I can take care of that for you don't you worry appreciate don't it. you worry um, cool. but yeah I'd agree with Roddy in terms of image number ones we've been singing the praises of Boom so much recently yeah this is this is them coming out swinging yeah well. I- image they, they need a wee comeback like don't they yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so that was Philadelphia, uh, uh, written by Rodney Barnes, art by Jason Sean Alexander. Uh, we'll just throw in a few customary ones just at the end. I only really had one or two I wanted to throw out a little bit of love for. Um, coming very, very close to the top of my pile was Criminal, number 10. It's a title I talk about all the time, Ed Brew Baker and Sean Phillips. Not rightly so. You know, it's A, it's just a brilliant title, but B, the reason I love this issue so much is most criminal issues tend to be one-shots, but, you know, you'll see characters dipping in and out of them. This one was like the previous four issues combined now into one, and then the next issue is going to sort of shore up the storyline. Beautiful art as always, beautifully dark and noir, brilliant storytelling. And what I noticed about Criminal today, and it might even be the first time I've noticed it, I was Jandarati about it in the store earlier. Criminal almost reads like a novel. Yeah. Like comics, there's always loads of dialogue and action and you need the artwork and all the rest. But see Criminal, like the first two pages, there's zero dialogue. And uh-huh. tell me this doesn't just sound like a book. Two Roads to Hell. Dan Faraday had been drinking too much since he got to Bay City. 
and when he drank he made stupid decisions. He got cocky, started thinking he was tough, but he wasn't. Faraday only won fights when he threw the first punch and the other guy didn't see it coming. Still, he couldn't stop getting drunk every night, even though he knew better. He'd been on this hunt too long and he felt lost in the woods, or the jungle. At least the drinking let him sleep, let his mind stop spinning in circles around the girl, Jane. You know, it's just so prose yeah, heavy. Yeah, yeah, you could yeah. read this as a book and it would be phenomenal. I mean, there's well. definitely a, like a, a criminal, like a noir, uh, detective noir. Uh, Voiceover, yeah, yeah, 100%. Yeah, but it's just, it's a very dialogue-like book. I mean, there you go, there's another two pages, no dialogue. You know, it's... But one thing I did notice at the back, and uh, I know Vicky is uh, very nicely cooking for us at the back. You might appreciate this, uh, Vicky. So uh, at the back, Ed Brubaker always does like a little what I'm up to, what I'm reading, what I'm watching. It's always a very personal thing. And then he said, before I want to move on to other stuff, I want to say something important. A message for a friend, I mean an ex-friend. Recently I've been catching up on some comics reading, and the other night I stayed up to read the last five or six issues of Saga. I heard it's coming back soon, so I wanted to catch up first. Anyway, I somehow managed to avoid all spoilers since the last issue came out, so I just want to say to Brian K. Vaughan, if you're reading, you're a bastard, <laughs> and I hate you. Also, I'm really glad I waited to read it, because the wait for the next issue is going to suck now. But in closing, <laughs> screw you, Brian. Yeah, I agree. You know how I feel. Um, wow. But yeah, Criminal, just wonderful book. Can't sing its praises highly enough. Um, I know I've got certain people at the table to read it, certain people it's not for. That's oh, cool. That's great. That's but for good. me, yeah. love yeah. it. I can't um, wait to get on it. I've read All My Heroes, or My Heroes Have Always Been always Junkies. Been junkies. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm looking forward to But I, I'm always up the fact if something's ongoing, I'm like, kind of wanted to finish before well, this is, I, I mean, pick it up. Uh, Alan was kind enough to loan me his absolute edition of Criminal, um, uh, which I. I Read through, absolutely fantastic. Deluxe edition. Fantastic. Just Looks like one. I'm yeah. getting it now too. Uh, <laughs> Thank you. So how, does, how does that current series relate to what I've read already? There's certain characters in that that like their sons are in this. Who their fathers it, are in there. Tate Lawless. Yeah. Does for it example, mean, his son is in this criminal run. Does it pick up directly after that, or a little bit? Yeah. It's, it's or is sort there of more in between. It's it's sort of all over the place. There's certain scenes they'll show in flashback, which are set before the original criminal run, but then right. there's parts in this that are clearly set after that okay because um, clearly that's a different volume than, than that that's because yeah. that's that, you know, that current issue is number 10 yeah Criminal's one of those things Criminal's been going for about 15 years now and it's always it started out as an icon imprint it's now Image uh -huh. um, but Criminal's been going a long time and they just sort of do six issues at a time then leave it for a year and then come back right. and do six issues okay. this is one of the first times I think it's went as far as 10 it's usually only six and then oh, okay. they go on so uh, yeah I'd, I'd love the series so I just always like throwing a bit of love that way mm -hmm. um, the only other one I would throw out a bit of love for I see Keith has across there as well was Venom number 20 uh, really good uh, rundown a really good sort of uh, issue to tie post up absolute carnage. carnage tie up yeah mm -hmm. yeah I mean it, what it did really well was it was sort of an issue of two halves the first half was all about the fallout from absolute carnage and the second half for me was all about setting up where we're now going mm. uh, with the next stories. There's a, there's, there's a, uh, there seemed to be a sniff of a hint of maybe bringing back the Ultimate Universe. Yeah, yeah, I. Uh, this is to do with the original the uh, Universe. Of yeah, the, that, that that is the Venom, the Venom symbiote of the Ultimate Universe. Yeah. Uh, so it is, and that is in the possession of the Reed Richards of the Ultimate Universe, the Maker. Yeah. Um. So, 
Uh, yeah, interesting. And he talks. Yeah, so you're exactly right. There's there's something going on there. Um, something going on there. But just one thing I did want to point out from this Venom. I chatted to someone about it in the store today as well. It's not often... Obviously, Venom's more of your an traditional anti-hero. There's not often a lot of hero shots in Venom. But this was just a really beautiful shot. So he's reconnected now properly with his son, who now knows who he is. He's his son rather than his brother. Than his yeah. brother. Uh-huh. And there's this part just after they've survived absolute carnage and you know killed Cletus Cassidy and all the rest, um, where they're walking out towards, you know, there's police sirens there, but no one's after him. He's got his arm around his son, they're getting ready to have a nice conversation. You know, the sun's starting to rise in the background, just lovely stuff. Yeah. yeah. Um, and of course there's a few hanging threads here. We don't know that the sun clearly has has a power um, yeah. and he's not told Eddie about it's, it's it. Is the power over symbiote specifically? Well, the, the, the gist of it seems to be oh. that, that he... What, what do you call the son again? Uh, the son is called... Is it Dylan? D- Dylan, Dylan is yeah. So Dylan appears to be product... Uh, he's part human, part part codex. He's a living a living codex um, as a result of, I guess, uh, Eddie being joined to the symbiote and... Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, so. it was even really interesting I thought where uh, Donny Kidd sort of reimagined sort of some of Marvel's history and it was like a symbiote appears when something yes, happens yeah, yeah, that, so that, Thanos gets the Infinity Stones Carnage is produced it's like a, it's like a reaction to it's a, a race reaction to danger so whenever a symbiote uh, in, a, in a larger sense uh, perceives danger uh, the symbiote multiplies yeah. in order to in an offensive capacity so yeah, because they're all they're exploring the idea of Dylan that his codex was essentially it was almost like a defense mechanism. Once yeah. he was in danger, that's when it appeared. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But it was just interesting how they were going through. You know, you'll enjoy this, Roddy. There was a part in it where it's talking about the Chaos War, and I was like, didn't we just sort of Avengers comics the other day in the store with yeah. Chaos War on them? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. Um, but I just thought that was an interesting idea and sort of shows Kate's you know affinity for the Marvel mm-hmm. universe. Yeah, oh, he's he's he's. Um, so he's yeah. some pop. He's some pop. Doing yeah, uh, Stephen's been kind enough to offer me his single issues to mm-hmm. read, so I'll be powering through now, them. I'm glad you put that on tape because the I I kid you not, the run of Venom right now. I see like one to twenty of it. It's probably worth about three or four hundred quid. So uh, it's one of those books that just oh, keeps going up and up and value. I did, I did clarify. I was only taking a lot. La- so end so of now them, that we've so got it on tape, you need to give those back. <laughs> I do need to give them back. I'm showing my age yeah, there, so, so I've got this on tape. Um, <laughs> it's always been something I've been wanting to jump into, and yeah, very good, very good. Single issues, um, and then maybe trade once. What about you, Kellen? Uh, honorable mentions. Uh, it would be. I did have something with an S on it, although it's a badly beaten up S. Uh, Action Comics. 1017, it's the Year of the Villain Acetate cover, so it's focusing on Luther's. Some lovely art in that issue. I have only been on this podcast for a little <laughs> while, and I have made it clear, John Amino Jr.'s art is, as we saying, not my cup of tea. You can drink that tea if you like it, Keith. <laughs> but in saying that this issue, and whether it's testament to Bendis' writing, or I will be honest, I didn't really focus on the art that much. I, the writing, I hear you an artist. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> but um, it's it's great. It started. It ha- it did start and kind of had me on the wrong foot. I thought I genuinely thought I'd asked Alan that I miss an issue, but it is explained. It's. Superman is it's showing Lex Apex Lex and his uh, Legion of Doom very this isn't this is set before uh, the truth so none of the truth has happened yet yeah. uh, but the Legion of Doom quite cleverly gets Superman out of the city to 
destroy the it's, it's Action Comics Ben is Action Comics the run Red the, the Red Cloud yeah, and the Invisible yeah, Mafia yeah, they yeah, managed yeah. to get him out of the city long enough to infiltrate that pla- that building and blow it up right so Superman it, there's a little converse, bit of conversation between him and Lois where he talks about they tricked me they they got me out of the city when I came back I didn't even notice I didn't even notice because they snuck into a building that I can't even see and Lois questions you mean you can't see through and he says no a building that I can't see or analysing the materials is right interesting it's, it's very action heavy and it does end with so there's like a potential link it? to uh, the Leviathan there yes there is yeah. mentions of Leviathan there is commentary being mm-hmm. like the only thing uh, Jimmy Olsen comments the only thing that's got Superman riled up lately is either Lex Luthor or Leviathan and he's questioning how do you know which one it is well it's Lex Luthor you kind of can expect it it's usually something goes boom but uh, yeah it is very much Lex's cool. response to this invisible mafia that's yeah. festering it's on my list I look forward to it yeah. look at that Batman appearance right there there's Batman saving Superman again Jeez, it happens all the time like. so that's why I didn't like <laughs> it Roddy what you good self some honourable mentions uh, for me um, I've got a couple of books I won't spend too much on I thought we're going to go black label again uh, but this time we're going the Hill House imprint, Basketful of Heads number two. Thought it was fantastic. If number one was a sort of set the set the scene, set the set the table. This mm-hmm. was this delivered action, got humor, mm-hmm. and you got quite a lot of violence. Basketful of Heads is the one with the, the Jaws references and the eighties yes. yeah. movies. And mm, the... Not so much in this one. No, yeah, no. you've got if you think. The first issue was the first ten minutes of a film. Your setup, your idyllic your scene. First act. Yeah, this right. one, this one just goes all crazy. Oh, okay. <laughs> cool! All right. It nice. goes, but it's still it's still very funny. It's very tongue in cheek. Yeah, I, I mean, I we were chatting about it earlier. I I recommended the Roddy the Dollhouse Family, mm-hmm. which is the second Hill House imprint, and it's very much straight laced horror. Yeah, this is horror, humor, evil, daddy you know grindhousey kind of thing it doesn't take itself too seriously what else you got there Mr. McCann yeah um, I've got another DC book Martian Mindhunter this time or Mm -hmm. Martian Manhunter number 10 I think this book will be mentioned in Mr. Miracle Circles it's that good yeah. that was a big talk it's yeah. a 10 of a 12 issue yeah once once it hits uh, the graphic novel I think um, Steve, Steve Orlando, Orlando Riley Rossimo Riley Rossimo's God. Is it's this just, is this the origin of Manhunter or it's sort of like a redemption story? Would you okay. say? Uh, yeah. yeah, he's done a lot of bad things on his home world, and then Aye. he gets found out on the real world who he actually is, and he's impersonating a cop. And uh, uh, but it's really great stuff. It's something these here I think very good at, and they should do more art twelve issue maxi series. Mm. Give people create complete creative control. Let them do what they want. It doesn't exist in the main canon go nuts because Mr. Miracle proved it and it works you know so Mr. Miracle is not in the main canon I think it is to a degree but it's still very much it's own thing yeah I think they're finding success though with like Lois Lane and Jimmy Olsen and all that sort of stuff Um, and then my last pick was also had the 2099 stuff what do we have this week Conan Um, I was a little bit disappointed um, but I know you guys haven't read it so I'll not mention too much Punisher was Okay, um, and then Conan. I think I enjoyed Conan a bit better. I mean, but 
Love the design of Punisher, though. I'm not sure if I like the format of how they're doing this. So you've got you know the Spider-Man stuff, you know, yeah. uh, and then you've got the Alpha, and then all the one shots and the Omega. And I, it's just that it slices. It's you're not really getting a story. I, I, yeah, I you're. I, you'll, yeah, so I think you'll find that with those so, books. So, so I, I find that certainly with the for the Fantastic Four. Yeah. Um, I was like, well, it's a good story, but it's just a done on one. It's a snippet. Mm-hmm. And I, what I what I really want to see is just a twenty ninety nine ongoing. That would that would serve me nicely. You know, jumping to different characters. Just wants more comics. I just Someone th- get twi- twi- more comics. <laughs> uh, maybe that's what they're. Maybe they're just they're just testing the water, you know. Yeah, um, I think I think once you get to the Doom one and those other Spider-Man, who got left, Venom, maybe to the media m- yeah, yes. yeah, yeah, maybe yeah. building up to that. Point, okay, cool, but, cool, cool, but yeah. And then my big one, I was sort of torn. I felt Philadelphia was outstanding, um, but this one, Transformers Galaxies, continues to be the best Transformers book for me. Mm-hmm. Um, Interesting. This one. I think it's an on, it's an ongoing, but it's separate stories within the war. The war before the before or after the it's after the war of the threefold spark, right? Yeah, that's but what it's before the main series, uh, which the relaunch series. Um, this one, this one was issue three of Galaxies, and it's by Tyler Blazinski, and the art is by Levo Ramondelli, who's big Levio, big Levio, the man, the man himself. I just thought. His art is utterly gorgeous, and um, I really, I really, really enjoying this story. Um, there's a lot. Of, they, they have the political intrigue of the main Transformers yes, book, uh-huh. but they also have. There's a lot more. Rock'em sock'em robots. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> and um, the way the way they treat them, the Constructicons were they were basically banished. They, they effectively were, built Cybertron, and they yeah, they rebuilt it after that right. war, but they've been banished with through ulterior motives basically they and it's the same you find they meet uh what do you call them the insecticons too uh-huh. and they're basically they were sent to different colonies to rebuild right. but basically uh Cyber, cybertron does not want them back because they're too dangerous right okay um, so they they've, they've used them when they needed and, them and then they discovered yeah them. and then i love this because um constructicons there's six of them and they're basically dealing with all their power uh, because they they can combine, yeah. But it's unsafe at the moment, mm-hmm. and you have a lot of great discussions between. You see Wheeljack and uh, what's his name? It's Nominal Prime, who's the the Prime before Sentinel Prime, who's oh, in the main right, the main right, book. Right, 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 yeah, yeah. Uh, so so there's a lot of great discussions between them. Of is this just? Is this right? I I, I think it's brilliant, and the art the arts insanely gorgeous that's very very nice and, yeah. um, cool it's, I think it's the way Transformers should be drawn it's yeah, gorgeous yeah 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 I think you're right and really captures the uh, the worlds mm-hmm. but yeah that's that's kind of it for me cool not too much for me um, busy week this week so <laughs> <He's> <laughs> busy, busy, busy week this week so I, I haven't actually managed to finish my pull list yet unfortunately but too busy planning uh, that holiday well um <laughs> So we're not as you mentioned Venom number 20 was the was fantastic title of Absolute Carnage but the other one that jumped out at me just because it's beautiful and well written and the word building is and I mentioned it uh, I think last month as well was the second issue it's also a DC book it's also a Vertigo or Black Label book it's all over but this is uh, Last God number 2 um, so Last God was uh, their the, the the fantasy series, the really high concept, high octane fantasy series that DC has been has been putting out. Um, 
So in the last issue, we were introduced to uh, to the the fellowship of brave heroes uh, who slay who slayed the last god and uh, travelled beyond the borders of creation to the Black Stair and slayed the last god, uh, saving the realm of Cain and uh, from the tyrant's apocalyptic army of the undead. Uh, whenever the companions got home, they they became the rulers of the world, effectively, in their various lands and their various races, um, ushered in a new age of peace and prosperity. But we're seeing now that this age of peace and prosperity is not going to last. The, the foul legions of the last god are on the march once more, and they're laying waste to all of Cain and Noon. And we're seeing that the fellowship of heroes may not have been the great heroes that we thought they were. They may not have. Uh, they may not actually have ended the last god as they as they thought they had, and uh, or as we thought they had. And, now as the world is sort of uh, is turning upside down again, uh, there's a new group of heroes who have been brought together in order to, I guess, do what has not no other has actually been able to do and, and end The Last God once and for all. So it's really, really fantastic book. It's beautiful. Is there any songs in the back of this uh, one? There are the back matter in this one. Oh, cool. Uh, there's a great oh, the map. Oh, map wow. And the map continues to develop with every, uh, with every issue. As you learn new things about the world, these things go on the map. Uh, you know, uh, there's it's gonna the be interesting to see how they fold the back matter into trades and stuff like that because each there's quite a lot of back matter in it. Yeah, you know, and to me, I honestly, my my feeling is that if you're someone who's buying these things singly and in the way that you should be buying them, then you should get all the back matter. You know, and whenever they put it in trade, yeah. <laughs> you know. Yeah, I mean, uh, image do that a lot, and I always use Sex Criminals as an example because Sex Criminals, it's it's a funny wee book. It's it's not going to change the world or anything, but what they do at the back is, and especially given that we've got to know Mr. Sadorsky even more in the last year through the podcast mm-hmm. and all the rest, they have like five pages worth of letters pages, which is Chip Sadorsky answering people's sex yes, problems. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's those, right. are, <laughs> no, those are not in the trades. Uh, so and, yeah, and he says that it's single issue people being yeah. uh, rewarded. rewarded for. Yeah, so and we've got the continuing story of uh, Sayuli, Queen of the Rivers, Roddy, as the back matter. Um, some lovely pencil art there as well. We've got an ancient poem of the a poem of the ancient rivermen who are the elf type folks in this, and uh, and then we've got another. Another song, The Flowers of Tony Lane, one of the traditional songs of uh, Radu Himmel. Uh-huh. Uh, Give us a wee bar of that. Considered, a, considered a, a simple tavern song with body lyrics mm. that seem to describe the lust activities that people often associate with the planting season. <coughs> uh, the story itself, uh, we've got a bit of a, a time differential, uh, 30 years thirty years past. Um, we have the young tear who was the king who is the hero, the leader of the heroes in the last issue, who in the last issue has shown that he was infected with the last god's uh, yeah, disease or whatever it was that, you know, so uh, so the, the story, the narrative is, is split between 30 years ago uh, and the present day whenever uh, whenever everything's going badly. Um, so yeah, so I, I, I think they're gonna continue to do that because they've developed these sigils uh, so in the first page there's a there's a black square with an axe in it that says 30 years ago and then uh, whenever whenever we're, we're up to date 30 years later we've got a white square with a, with a crown in it and then as we continue through the book they uh, they just shed it and just show the axe or the crown to show where we're at you know so uh, so yeah really really fantastic stuff so we're seeing origin stories of the original heroes and we're seeing now who the, who the new heroes are, are assembling it's great great fantasy I uh, I had a really easy recommendation of this to, to my good buddy Martin, uh, who is a you know he and I have have grown up with this stuff and we play Dungeons and Dragons together, 
I showed him this and he went, there you go, I'll take that off. <laughs> and he's got, I know he's going to love it, but it's right up his street. Um, I'm working my way through my pull list. I'm really looking forward to the second issue of Cobra Kai and the finish of uh, Mark Wade's Invisible Woman. Woman. That's one to trade whenever it comes out. I'm looking out. forward yeah. to that one, yeah. Uh, Matthias Delius's art is just beautiful. The way that Mark Wade has written Sue Storm and the use of her powers really innovatively is fantastic. Lazarus Risen issue 3 is fairly close to the top of my pile. So, yeah, some good stuff that... Uh, that I'm going to take Spain with me. <laughs> um, yeah. Cool. Uh, yeah, so that was uh, just a few uh, extra recommendations there, then, or a few honourable mentions. Honourable mentions that uh, we got through. Uh, we'll just finish off the podcast then, just with you know what we're looking forward to uh, coming out this week. Uh, I started making a list there, and usually we'd keep it to like two or three, but I actually count nine. December's um, a funny month, isn't it? Well, this this week is not. I don't know if necessarily everybody's reading. Obviously, what I'm reading, but um, in terms of uh, December, yeah, they're they're sort of front loading the three weeks of yeah, December yeah, because yeah, yeah. there's not much at the end, if anything, and then they restart with the releases on the first of January. Yeah, yeah. Um, I but panicked actually whenever I was going through my my pull list for the next few weeks, and I thought, Jesus, that's massive. <laughs> and then, oh, but that's only three issues. How much? Oh, that's Christmas Day. <laughs> so yeah, well, that's it. Christmas Day, and then, but on, I know on New Year's Day, for example, Thor number one is launching. Star Wars number one is launching. So there are a couple of bits and pieces. Yeah, yeah. But um, but yeah, certainly in terms of what's coming out this week, uh, you know, and I looked at uh, indie titles, looked at DC, looked at Marvel. I mean, I've nine here, and I'm sure you will agree with a couple of them. Top three, top three. Uh, Batman eighty four. Superman up in the sky number six, Daredevil number fourteen. All right, nice. Or nice. my top three, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I could go on, but I won't. Yeah, yeah. How about yourselves? A uh, big one for me is Man and Superman hardcover deluxe edition. It's coming out. Uh, it was just wonderful to read it the first time around. And yeah, originally out as a ninety-six page spectacular. Spectacular. This yeah. one's coming out with original, original script details, some. Back information on the story itself, some history. I think some on extra it. pages as well. Yeah, a few extra pages. Oh. I just can't wait for it. Yeah, I mean, if you go back through the archives of our podcast, I know there was a month where that was one of yeah. my picks of the month. Mm-hmm. I just, and you know me, I'm more of a Batman guy, but Superman, um, Man, Superman was phenomenal. It was so so good. Nice, mm-hmm. nice, Roddy. Cool. Uh, for me, I'm sure there's lots of stuff on my pull list, but um, this one, I'm going to steal from Alan again. <laughs> uh, this one, The Butcher of Paris. Um, it's about a serial killer using the last days of the war to use Paris as their personal you're hunting ground. Your, you're loving your historical backdrops of that's, it. Yeah, yeah, that's that's, murder murder that's me, too. like, so, yeah. Well, I mean, what about that other one that's sort of in the... Strange Sky? Yeah. yeah. Wink, wink. That's Fantastic. another one. Yeah, yeah. that's a beaut. So looking forward to that, and then there's Die and lo- loads of other stuff yeah, too. Good yeah, stuff. Really good looking forward stuff. to next week. I got one you'll be looking forward to. That's Conan Serpent War number one. Oh yes, uh, yeah. Conan, Dark Agnes, uh, Solomon Cain, and Moon Knight. And Moon Knight. Yeah. Uh, so that's going to be a beaut. Uh, first of four or six? Is that kind of remember? I think it's four. Isn't uh, four? Looking yeah. forward to that. Um, Next week, Doctor Doom number three is out. That has been a fantastic first two yeah. issues. Really, really enjoying. Really that. enjoying that. The only thing 
is Doom is not the same Doom as, as Amazing Spider-Man. Spider-Man. Yeah, that's the that, only little. That is that's tweaking me a wee bit because that would have been so so easy just yeah. a wee bit of, of editorial oversight, you know, just to go actually this is what's happening in Christopher Cantwell's Doom. We could drive some uh, some readership towards that just by including and it, the, the issue, the, the situation that Doom is in in both issues is so similar. Yeah, and they just yeah. get it done. <laughs> and then of course, Lois Lane number six is out next month, next week as well, and that's halfway through the series. You know, I have a uh, I have a regular customer, uh, Phil. He'll appreciate a shout out because he uh, he does listen to this. But uh, he jumped back on two titles in the last couple of weeks. He he stepped away from some of them, but because of our passion for them, uh-huh. he's jumped back on Lois Lane at number six. Sweet. And he's uh, he gave up on Invaders at number seven for some reason. Right. But then he ended up getting the rest, and now he wants me to get number twelve for him. Nice. Good so, job, Phil. Good so choices. He's got Good my choices. back. So yeah, absolutely. Phil, and thank you. Yeah. You know, I, I don't like you, Phil, because you've got Roddy's back instead of mine. But you know. Um. Alrighty then. So Perfect. that is our weekly review show. Nice um, one, gents. As ever, you can find us for the moment anyway in Unit Seventeen Eighteen Smithfield Market. Find us on all the social media stuff: Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all the usual places um, and I should say as we just finish off the podcast there will also be one other big release to look forward to exclusively in Coffee and Heroes this week and that is Soul of the Sea number one Yeah. from our good friend Roddy McCants uh, art by Donna Black on that and colours by Zach Sam exactly so no way Donna does the colours oh, <laughs> oh lettering there Zach oh. does the lettering I'm so, I'm so used to saying Maybe, right so pause and we're going to cut this but, uh, yeah um, looking okay. forward to you guys having it so we're going to do a wee small 10 minute podcast about influences and all that sort of stuff Sweet. Yeah. at um, some time but, but this yeah. is going to be uh, yeah, available exclusively in the store all the copies are going to be signed copies um it's something that as we sell it, you know, Roddy being a good friend, you know, nothing goes to the store for it. You know, all the money goes to him. So <laughs> nice. spend big on it. Um, so yeah, we'll have that in and the store. And it is fantastic. Well, thank very, you. very good. And you've been getting some really good praise on, on, the, on the social media. Yeah, as well, which I swore yeah. off. <laughs> yeah, 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 I've been really, really chuffed with the response, like I have to say. Cool. So. Excellent. So you'll be able to pick that up in store, guys, uh, this week. So um, um, yeah. Behind us on the behind the that's on the thread here, we have our old guard uh, book club. We have a previews episode. This month's previews, um, yeah. We've got previous review shows, yep. tons of content. If you want to go back and listen to us, uh, wax lyrical on many many comments. And you can you can find the podcast wherever you find podcasts. But uh, it would be really useful to us if you were able to get onto something like Apple Podcasts. Uh, like the show rate the show maybe write a review of the show yeah um, that sounded like Little Britain <laughs> sing the theme tune write the theme tune <laughs> yeah like I know I know I know what you mean but like it, but it helps the visibility it does helps help other people find us so yeah, yeah so if you could do that we'd very much appreciate it perfect yeah, that you. is a wrap guys uh, I say through gritted teeth enjoy your holiday see you next time <laughs> see you later bye Well, hello there. Well, hello there, Robbie. <laughs> How do you do? I do well. It's well you're looking. Are you well? Because you're looking well. <laughs> <laughs>